Part 2. Confession of Faith in God the Son I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Jesus Christ The name Jesus, Isus, in Greek, is originated from Hebrew name Yehoshua, meaning Jehovah is salvation. Christ is Mashiach in Hebrew and Christos in Greek, meaning the anointed one. The name Christ is the New Testament's appellation for the Old Testament's Messiah. The expression, whole Christos, that frequently appears in the four gospel is the word Christ, preceded by the definite article, the, telling us that Jesus is the absolute God himself. God the Father, in other words, sent his own son to deliver everyone living in this world from all sins. Strictly speaking, these two names of Jesus and Christ are not actually interchangeable. The name Jesus is the name of the Savior who came as the interceder of mankind, as a peacemaker between God and human beings. But the name Christ means the anointed one, originating from the traditions of the ancient Middle East region, that is, from the ritual of distinguishing those chosen to bear the responsibilities of high positions by anointing them. For the people of Israel in the Old Testament's time, this tradition was originated from God's own command. They appointed prophets, priests, and kings. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 16. Psalm 133, verse 2. This was the ritual that publicly affirmed before everyone the fact that those chosen by God were fit for the duties of each. Such symbolic rituals of the Old Testament, however, were effective only for the certain period of duration when these people entrusted with such duties were alive. Even so, their capacity to fulfill their duties was also imperfect. These facts implied that the Israelites could not but wait for the coming of the perfect one who would be anointed by God himself. In such a context, there was the birth of one who would be especially anointed by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the righteousness of God. Matthew chapter 3 verses 15 through 17. Mark chapter 1 verses 10 through 11. Luke chapter 3 verses 21 through 22. Jesus himself testified on this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. See also Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1. Thus the name Christ means the anointed one who saves his people from sin. 
contained in the name of Christ are not only his duties as the Redeemer and Interceder, but also his authority and power manifested by his perfect fulfillment of these duties. 1. Christ's Attributes Christ already existed even before the creation. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 Explaining the will that God had even before the creation, Paul said, In the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10 To fulfill his will, God sent his only begotten son, whom he had promised and who would be anointed. To this earth. The family lineage of this Son of God is shown in more detail in the covenant that God established with Abraham. That is, he would come as one of the descendants of Abraham, and all the nations would be blessed because of him. Genesis chapter 22, verses 17 through 19. This was God's promise. Jacob, while blessing his sons in his dying hour, also said that the Messiah would come as a descendant of Judah. Genesis chapter 49 verse 10. The prophets of the latter times revealed the attributes and ministries of the Messiah in even more detail. According to Isaiah chapter 53, it was prophesied that Christ would take the sins of his people upon himself, be crucified, suffer at the hands of the people, and be abandoned by them and ultimately die and be buried. 1. The Divine Nature of Jesus Christ Jesus Christ has not only existed even before the creation, but he has existed as the eternal and true God. Furthermore, even though he came to this earth in the flesh of a man, he has continued to be God himself. John chapter 1 verse 1 and chapter 14 as Romans chapter 9 verse 5 states, He who is over all the eternally blessed God. The confession of God's church about the divine nature of Jesus Christ is not a man-made confession, for this is founded on the very revelation of God himself. Matthew chapter 16 verse 17. In addition, all the truths of the Bible describe the divine nature of Christ explicitly, not ambiguously. Micah chapter 5 verse 2, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. In the New Testament, the true divinity of Christ the Savior is often solemnly declared by Christ himself. Peter also confessed to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Matthew chapter 16 verse 16. See also Mark chapter 8 verse 29 and Luke chapter 9 verse 20. Furthermore, Paul also said, Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6. John, while praising Christ, also confessed, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding, that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. 
When Caiaphas, the high priest, asked, Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus answered him, It is as you said. Matthew chapter 26, verse 63 through 64. See also Mark chapter 15, verse 2. On other occasions, Jesus also said that he and God the Father were one. John chapter 10, verse 30. And that he had existed before Abraham. John chapter 8, verse 58. Christ, moreover, mentioned his role as the high priest and the glory that he has shared with the Father even before the creation. John chapter 17, verse 5. In addition, when Christ forgave people of their sins or healed them from their illnesses, as well as when he admonished his disciples to believe in him, all these things were contingent upon the recognition of his divinity. Jesus Christ is the second person of the triune God who worked as the Son of God. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. Matthew chapter 26, verses 63 through 64. According to the angel that visited Mary, the son whom Mary would give birth would be called as the Holy Son of God. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Right after Jesus was baptized by John, a voice came from heaven and testified, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. See also Mark chapter 1, verse 11, and Luke chapter 3, verse 22. This meant that his baptism was not simply a ritual, but the one approved by God the Father. It refers to the baptism that Jesus received to take all the sins of mankind upon himself. This is how he fulfilled all the righteousness of God. Matthew chapter 3 verse 15 Just before Jesus was baptized, he said to John, Permit it to be so now, that is, baptize me, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Matthew chapter 3 verse 15 The Bible declares that Jesus Christ has the same particular power as the Father. John chapter 5 verse 26 The Apostle Paul calls Christ as God's own Son. Romans chapter 8 verse 32 And John says that Christ was the Word who was with God. John chapter 1 verse 1 he also describes him as God's only begotten son. John chapter 1 verse 14. John chapter 3 verse 16. See also John chapter 5 verse 18, where Jesus himself called God as his own father. 2. The human nature of Jesus Christ. The New Testament also emphasizes Christ's human nature. The eternal Son of God was born in the likeness of men. Philippians chapter 2 verses 7 through 8. He was called the man Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. Even though he was God himself, he incarnated into a man and dwelt among us. John chapter 1 verse 14. In consequence, he was baptized by John the Baptist. He lived among people as a man, and he shared in their happiness, joy, and sadness. And he also ate the same food that they ate. He was a man not only in his appearance, but in his character. Like others, 
He was also a descendant of Adam. The family lineage of Luke, chapter 3, verse 38. And he was born of a woman. Luke, chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And Galatians, chapter 4, verse 4. Among his forefathers were Abraham and David. Matthew, chapter 1, verse 1. Even though Jesus himself had no sin, he nonetheless came to this earth in the flesh of a man weakened by his sins. In other words, Christ came in the likeness of sinful flesh, and by being baptized by John, he fulfilled all the righteousness of God. John chapter 19 verse 30 Although he shouldered our sins with his baptism and suffered, he was not differentiated from others. Isaiah Chapter 53, verses 2 through 3. However, although Christ had the same human nature as us, he never surrendered to the temptation of sin. According to the author of the book of Hebrews, Christ was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Jesus bore sins only because he took the sins of the world upon himself by being baptized by John. And this is why he was crucified for the sake of sinners. Referring to Christ, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 26 states, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Christ's three duties. There were three kinds of persons who were anointed by oil in the Old Testament age. The prophets, the priests, and the kings. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 16, Exodus chapter 40 verses 13 through 15, 2 Kings chapter 9 verse 3. Christ is the prophet and the teacher anointed by the Holy Spirit, and he is also the heavenly high priest. The concepts of the many roles that Christ played are all biblically sound. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15 states, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. See also verse 18. In Psalm 110 verse 4, Jehovah called Christ by saying, You are a priest forever. Zechariah chapter 6 verses 12 through 13 reveals the kinghood of Christ by stating that the man whose name is the branch would bear the glory and sit and rule on his throne. These three duties of Christ were all fulfilled when Christ came to this earth, shouldered all the sins of the world by being baptized by John, was crucified and shed his blood on the cross and rose again from the dead. A. Prophet Like the prophets of the Old Testament, Christ fulfilled his prophetic role by revealing the will of God and implementing God's word to his people. But Christ was not merely a simple prophet or messenger. He was the greatest prophet for mankind. His word was the complete and perfect word of God that no prophet can ever add to or subtract from. This is because all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. Colossians chapter 2 verse 3. It is also because he is the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father. John chapter 1 verse 18. Christ's message was made perfect when he had completed his mission to fulfill all righteousness of God. Jesus was baptized by John, 
and shed his blood on the cross. And he caused every sinner to be remitted of all his or her sins within the righteousness he had completed. Therefore, such true knowledge of God and teachings on salvation cannot be attained without believing in the baptism of Christ and the blood of the cross. Those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God and thus remain sinful. John chapter 3 verse 18 They cannot find the way of eternal life either. Because Christ's sermons had power and authority as the prophet, they led the listeners to obey his word. B. High Priest In Psalm 110 verse 4, speaking to his anointed one, God said, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This means that Christ is the high priest, not from the order of Aaron, but he is the high priest as a result of Jehovah's special and singular calling and appointment. The priests of the Old Testament who had served in the tabernacle or temple were the foreshadowers of this Christ to come, presaging Christ as the perfect and eternal high priest. He works as the perfect high priest. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24. There are three dimensions to Christ's ministry as the high priest. First, he had offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins forever. Jesus Christ, in other words, had redeemed all mankind from destruction with his baptism and bloodshed. He has completed God's righteousness by having obtained eternal redemption for us. Christ's sacrifice of atonement had been foretold and known for thousands of years through the sacrificial system under the old sacrificial rituals of the laying on of hands. In particular, this was typically revealed through the laying of hands on the head of the Passover lamb and its bloodshed. In contrast to the sacrificial offerings of Aaron and other priests of the Old Testament, which were symbolic and repetitive, Christ came to this earth only once, and by taking the sins of the world upon himself through his baptism, received from John and dying on the cross, he fulfilled all righteousness of God once and for all. This is why he was baptized and gave all the perfect sacrificial offerings on the cross. Christ, as Hebrews chapter 9 verse 26 states, once at the end of the ages, has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He is the Lamb of God who shouldered the sins of the world with his baptism and carried them to the cross. Matthew chapter 3 verses 13 through 17. Christ reveals to us that he himself was sacrificed as our own Passover lamb. By sacrificing himself for the sins of mankind, he paid the price of redemption to God for the sake of his people. As Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28 states, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all, by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12. 
This was achieved by accepting his baptism and the cross. He did like the high priest of the Old Testament, who, on the day of atonement, had entered the most holy with the blood of sacrifice. Likewise, by being baptized in his body, Christ also accepted the sins of the world passed on to him and ascended to heaven after having atoned all the sins of the world with the blood of the cross, thereby entering the sanctuary of heaven with his own blood of sacrifice. By doing so, Christ has saved all those who believe in his baptism and blood from their guilt and curses, above all for the salvation of his people from their sins. Christ was able to achieve all his works, including being baptized by John and shedding his blood on the cross. With his voluntary obedience, that is, by being baptized, Christ bore the sins of his people, and with his active obedience, that is, by carrying the sins of the world to the cross and being crucified, he fulfilled the righteousness of God perfectly. It is when we believe in this that we attain our eligibility for salvation. By coming to this earth and giving up his body as a sacrifice for all mankind, Christ fulfilled all the righteous works of God. By doing so, he has saved his people who, because of the corruption of Adam, had become sinners from all their sins. It is by this work that Christ fulfilled God's righteous plan perfectly. By giving his baptism and blood to his people, he enabled them to receive the righteousness of God. The second aspect to the priestly ministry of Christ is prayer. He not only enables mankind simply to approach God, but more so, he enables them to go boldly to the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. See also Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Christ not only teaches how to pray, Luke chapter 11 verses 1 through 4, Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13, but he also guarantees before God the prayers of whoever prays truthfully in his name and by employing God based on his works. He makes it possible that his or her prayers would be answered. Christ himself prays for his people and he works as the interceder who, for their sakes, pleads on their behalf and defends them before God. Such works were already done when Christ was ministering on this earth. Luke chapter 22 verse 32, Luke chapter 23 verse 34, John chapter 17. And they continue to be fulfilled now, even after he was exalted and entered the sanctuary of heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father. Romans chapter 8 verse 34. Christ understood perfectly all the sufferings and sadness of human beings, knew their needs well, and approached such needs with a compassionate and merciful heart. As Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 states, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. His prayers reflect his profound understanding of the needs of mankind. The third dimension to Christ's priestly ministry is asking for the blessings of his people. In the Old Testament, one of the priest's duties was to lay their hands on their people and bless them. God promised that when the priests blessed the descendants of Israel in the name of Jehovah, 
he would indeed give them his blessings. Numbers chapter 6 verses 22 through 27. Likewise, when Christ was ministering on this earth, his very existence itself was already a blessing. And when he ascended to heaven, he also raised his hands and blessed his disciples. Luke chapter 24 verses 50 through 51. Furthermore, even now, he blesses his people with every spiritual blessing of heaven. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Through his spirit, he bestows the gifts of heaven on them and brings them the never-ending showers of blessings. Like this, Christ is God himself for whom there can be no other comparison. For Christ alone could become the sacrifice of atonement and standing at the side of his people, he alone could fulfill the law perfectly. As such, only Christ is the interceder who brings us the blessings of heaven. Now, if there are people who do not believe in his priestly ministry, they will certainly not be able to find any other priest who can atone for their sins because they cannot find any interceder who is with God. They will, far from receiving the blessings of heaven, all face their eternal condemnation instead. C. King Christ was also anointed as the king for his duties, like the Old Testament's kings, but he is not like the preceding kings, whose glory and power were attained by force. Rather, Christ was anointed as the eternal king, and as the king who would reign with infinite power, justice, and truth. John draws attention to the fact that Christ's kingdom is not of this world. John chapter 18, verse 36. Paul, on the other hand, teaches that the kingdom of God is constituted only of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. The author of Hebrews says that this king rules with his word. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Moreover, the sovereign kinghood of Christ is not limited to the Jewish nation. Christ is the head of the church, the congregation of his believers. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. This church has been redeemed from the dominion of the devil and has been built with the blood of Christ. His church is led by the Holy Spirit and it belongs to Christ forever. As a king, Christ protects his church from any danger. He does not allow any forces, no matter what they may be, to ever overcome the church, even if such forces were the gates of Hades, hell. They cannot prevail against the church. Matthew chapter 16 verse 18. In addition, his rule is merciful and perfect. Through such rule, he makes his people submit to his authority and obey his words. Furthermore, even those who do not recognize his sovereignty cannot escape from the reign of Christ. For God the Father has enabled the Son to rule over the entire universe. The Father has given Christ all authority. Jesus, therefore, says, 
All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Matthew chapter 28 verse 18. Paul writes that the triumphant Christ stripped the evil angels of their authority. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. The apostle John says Christ is the ruler over the kings of the earth. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. The sovereign authority of Christ may seem to be ignored on this earth, and his glory may appear to be blasphemed, insulted, and hidden by his evil enemies. Psalm 89 verse 51. But his majesty continues to shine in heaven as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Revelation chapter 19 verse 16. In the end, Christ will ultimately come back in the clouds, and he will give honor to those who have believed and shame to those who have rejected him. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. When this time comes, the reign of Christ will be manifested through his righteousness everywhere in heaven and on earth. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Revelation chapter 21. In the New Testament, Christ was the prophet, and at the same time, he was the high priest and the king. When Christ spoke as a prophet, his teachings were accompanied with his authority as the king. Luke chapter 4 verse 32. When Christ admitted to Pilate that he was indeed a king, he also said that he came to this world as a prophet to testify the truth. John chapter 18 verse 37. When Christ performed miracles, his sovereign authority was revealed. Such miracles were secured by his prophetic teachings, and these miracles were bestowed by his priestly mercy. Matthew chapter 8 verse 17.